0: This is Blood and Firewater, a true crime comedy discussion type podcast. We shoot tequila and we chase it with a case of murder. Just as a disclaimer, this podcast contains mature content not suitable for all ages, so listener's discretion is advised. I am your host Rashad and I would like to thank each and every one of you for tuning into the show. We promise not to be insensitive to the victims and respect their families. However, we will poke fun at other persons, places, and things involved with the case. And we will keep our opinions based on the facts of the case. We're not professionals, and we don't pretend to be. Alright, so before we get started, we have some news. We have a review from you, because you're the only person I know named Tink, Tink Anything.
1: Man, no. Nope. Everything. Nope.
0: Tink Wink 32. Not the, the only thing that threw me off was the 32. I was like, Brandy would put her age but brandy's not 32
1: (laughs) i'm not 32 that's just my favorite number
0: i'm about to turn 32 in like 22 days i'm so excited to not be excited to be 32 32
1: hey it sucks to be you you're
0: 32 you think that's funny
1: yeah i do because i'm i'm only 27 so i still got golden years
0: isn't that cute but however, we do have a actual review from somebody named. Are we
1: not going to address that review from Tink Wink Thirty Two?
0: Oh because yeah, because it's not me. It's it a review. Pretty, I'm pretty sure issue. Mm. It says, "I can't wait, can't wait for more." My new favorite podcast. And now,
1: no, no, not now. If it was me, that's not not a true statement.
0: Yeah, because you don't listen to podcasts. So, any podcast you listen to is probably your favorite.
1: Right. Well.
0: So, anyway, the other other review is from Tangy Shortbread, who says, Great listen, period. Not exclamation mark, just period. Whatever. Yeah, he's not
1: yelling at us.
0: This podcast has a lot of potential. I'm ready for more. So, hey, we're doing something right.
1: Yeah, Tangy Shortbread might be on to something
0: so um, moving forward, I have a promo for a another podcast called beyond the rainbow um been really buddy buddy with this podcast they do a uh gay and l g b t spin on true crime like they' they
1: they only cover crimes that
0: yeah in that community okay and way to fucking hit a niche because that's the first one I've ever heard of that is devoted to to that category i guess you would say
1: yeah like they only cover
0: right i mean
1: what is the word i'm trying to use though cover no like what what uh, hate crime hate crimes
0: hate crime yeah yeah they're obviously they're <laughs> yeah but with
1: sex right. and not race right
0: something like that either way We'll play their promo at the end of this episode. Uh, there's one other thing. Oh, if you haven't already, check us out on Instagram, uh, Blood and Firewater, Twitter at BFW Pod Squad, and Facebook. You know, I don't, I really don't fuck with Facebook.
1: <laughs> I got it.
0: So today's case is in California. All right. Happened around 2002, 2003, you know, so you were probably, what, 10, 9, 2002.
1: 11. Wait, you were 11. Because oh, I was born in 92,
0: so yeah, 11. Yeah, you were 11 years old. So you probably missed the the media coverage on this because...
1: I was too busy worried about Lisa Frank and Birkenstock.
0: Lisa Frank and Birkenstocks
1: if you from 92 you know
0: yeah I'm I'm
1: you're not what from 92.
0: no I didn't buy girly things in 92.
1: well you know what I mean rocket power and Doug like yeah
0: that. you were watching Nickelodeon I I was on my I was about to start working t- <laughs> and
1: you were you no, were because I was 11 you started working at 15 bro you are already <laughs>
0: 14. Actually, I lied on my application. True story. So Christmas Eve, 2002, in Modesto County, California, police receive a call from Ron Gransky. He's good a, save. Huh? That was a
1: good save. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: He, he reports that his stepdaughter, 26-year-old Lacey Peterson, is missing. She's described as having short black hair, about 5'1 and 26 years old. She's also eight months pregnant. A call from the son-in-law prompted her parents to seek a police attention. Yet he called out of the assumption that they, that she was with them for Christmas dinner.
1: Right. But she wasn't. she, was nah, she wasn't. She was missing.
0: Among my circle of true crime friends and family, we all know the husband did it. Or had something to do with it. However, can investigators prove it? Today's case is the story of Lacey Rocha and Scott Peterson. Lacey Peterson was born May 4th, 1975 to Sharon and Dennis Robert Rocha and raised in Modesto, California. Lacey worked on a farm from an early age and really liked gardening with her mother. After her parents' divorce, Lacey and her family moved to Modesto, California, but she would return to the dairy farm with her father every weekend. When Lacey was two, Sharon married Ron Grantsky, who helped raise Lacey and her older brother Brent. Lacey was a cheerleader throughout middle and high school. And after graduating from Thomas Downey high school, she started to attend Cal Poly tech. I don't know how much I would like. I mean, you would like anything at two years old, like whatever you're doing, you like it. Like I should have, you should have got Marley washing dishes at two and she probably would be like bomb as fuck at it right now.
1: I know that's why they do children's shows now. Fucking mini cooks on master chef and shit. Like, yeah, you got to start them early. What we look like, we about to have is three lazy ass five year olds
0: No, they're gonna be. I'm like, you have to consider where the the technology of the world is going. Like, if I had known, you know, there would be so much hype about technology as far as like
1: invented something apps
0: and shit like that. I would have went to school for fucking coding. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well. they're saying that scientists are proving that these kids being on um, like watching TV or a tablet or being just on an iPad or a cell phone in general is fucking up their brain cells. Yeah. So I don't know what to believe because one, we didn't have it growing up and now our kids got it and we don't know the studies on it because it wasn't nothing to worry about. We grew up with cell phones. Ain't nothing happened to us, but the shit's expanding. Like, you're right. You'd probably be a millionaire on some Bill Gates shit.
0: Lacey was described as a very energetic, dynamic, positive, social person. She strikes me as someone who would constantly have a smile on her face, but probably not take shit from nobody. Probably a very headstrong woman who knew what she wanted and didn't stop until she got it. She attended California Poly State University in San Luis Obispo. In 1993 for ornamental horticulture. Mm.
1: Ornamental
0: horticulture. I got it. I got it. No, I got it. And I looked it up and I didn't know what that study was. It's like going to school to learn how to arrange plants and flowers for greenhouses, golf courses, parks. Basically to be just like Edward Scissorhands on bushes pretty much. Like Like you've been to Disneyland, right? Or no. I've never Disney, kn- kn- Disney World. I've
1: been to Disney World. The one well, like
0: you know how they have like Florida. shit cut out into shapes. That's basically it. Yeah. Landscaping. yeah I know what you're saying.
1: Uh basically
0: but Interior
1: Design but outside.
0: <laughs> exterior design? Exterior design. Yeah, that's what I said. I love how you thought you knew that word. Mm, but
1: yeah. <laughs> Inside the corporate outside. That's what I said. You knew what I meant.
0: Yeah, so she met Scott in 93, 94 through a mutual friend he was described as a very sincere and lovable type person and a very shoot you straight kind of guy then not now, not anymore so Scott Peterson was born October 24th 1972 so somebody just had a birthday on death row (laughs) he probably got cake Oh, and ice cream and it was he all probably made was out the of
1: cake and the ice cream was yeah he was
0: the t- cake he was getting his salad tossed tossed
1: oh my god who even thinks it... you're like oh somebody just had a birthday well
0: fucking it was october fucking 20... weirdo October twenty fourth, <laughs> like two weeks ago <laughs> kissed my ass
1: uh i wonder what he did on his birthday
0: scott peterson <laughs> was
1: born <laughs>
0: scott peterson was born october 24th 1972 <laughs> right. in san diego and grew up in la jolla california now tell me that you thought that said la Jolla. no it's i not did la
1: i've been like staring you were
0: like jala, oh, jala, I can't jala, jala, wait for him to say la jolla 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 it's, it's, oh,
1: yeah. like,
0: it's jala. spanish for jolla his father lee Lee Arthur Peterson owned a crate packing company and his mother owned a boutique called the put on.
1: I put on for my city.
0: <laughs> Scott started playing golf at an early age and became one of the top golfers in San Diego high school. In 1990 Peterson enrolled at Arizona state university on a partial golfing scholarship. He was later kicked off the team due to partying too much. He later transferred to Cal Polytech and majored in agriculture agricultural business. Lacey made the first move towards Scott and immediately after meeting him, she told her mom that she had met the man that she would marry. Lacey and Scott dated for two years and then they got married on August ninth, 1997 at Sycamore Mineral Springs Resort in San Luis Obispo's County of vale, Villa Valley? Sure.
1: Either way, that's a lot of words.
0: I know. I read them. After graduation... Lacey and Scott opened a burger joint called The Shack. Business wasn't that great in the beginning, as for most businesses, but it started to turn up, especially on the weekends and in 2000 they sold the business to move back to Lacey's hometown in Modesto to start a family. October of 2000 they purchased their three bedroom home on Covina Avenue. So it's grand time to get the foundation of the family that they want to start over the next couple years so at this time they're they're dinks double double
1: income,
0: double income no kids, like, income, no kids. I, I love that now <laughs> i le- just
1: found out what dinks were last night so please really? excuse me yeah we talked about that. i was like when we were doing our, our our rough draft i was like i've never been called a dink double income
0: double income no kids Lacey's a substitute teacher, and Scott is a salesman for an international fertilizer company where he sold irrigation systems, fertilizer, chemical nutrients, and anything, you know, related to big farms, flower growers, primarily in California, Arizona, and New Mexico. Saving money for the family that they wanted to start. Scott was bringing home about five thousand dollars a month before taxes they're saving money for the family they want to start
1: she was probably bringing in about five thousand
0: no scott scott was bringing five thousand before taxes so i don't think they were hurting for money but we're talking about california (coughs) lacy was you know a substitute teacher part-time Substitute teachers don't make a ton of money. The average substitute teacher in California as of 2019 makes about 28 grand a year.
1: 28,000, yeah, no. I can pull that easy. And so can another server that so, makes minimum wage plus tips. Like they're making like 35-40,000 a month. Like,
0: needless so. to say, teachers don't make enough money.
1: Teachers don't make shit.
0: So she was part-time, so let's say she made half of that. That's 14 or $14,000. So yeah. like they I don't I don't feel like their, her her income was matters. Yeah, matters. She she was making money for her and probably liked teaching. You know what I mean? Like an energetic person like that.
1: Right. Now, she probably was just doing what she wanted and didn't even care about money because they had enough.
0: So late Lacey's other attention was focused on. Uh, becoming a great housewife she she loved cooking and entertaining friends and family and just overall practicing being a great housewife she she wanted she you wanted know that. to be a, a, Lacey a, a was house get, mom yeah she
1: was gonna get it lacy got what she wanted
0: december 23rd that night lacy had a conversation with her mom about the events of christmas eve like a dinner, they had planned, you know, like a basic Christmas time dinner shit. Everything is planned out and executed the night before Christmas for some reason. According to Scott, after the phone call, they finished watching a football game, then they watched the a movie, and they go to bed around 10:30 p.m. It's to, it's important to remember that Lacey went to bed in blue pajama pants and a white blouse. A blouse? I don't know. It was I, okay, it was a shirt. Like that's what the article shoot. the article said a blouse. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I imagine it was probably a, a shirt, it, yeah. like maybe like a V neck.
1: She's fucking pregnant. A blouse.
0: Well, maybe the blouse is bigger,
1: like a grandma blouse.
0: Like a what do you call it? A mammy? A gown?
1: Nightgown? Nightgown. What it, what it was is? white,
0: whatever is it, what was, time it was. what were- <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired.
1: Bang bang.
0: The morning of Christmas Eve in 2002, Scott got up around 8 a.m. to Lacey already eating breakfast. She had to eat because she she was, like, super nauseous if she didn't eat. You know how pregnancy goes. I don't. You don't. So,
1: you have no fucking idea.
0: I don't have the equipment. <laughs> Scott says that she had a bowl of cereal. <laughs> Scott says she had a bowl of cereal and a piece of toast and... That was, you know, breakfast. I guess I don't know. Like he I usually drink it. a beer in the morning. Dang, he disgusting. showered and Lacey logged into the home computer at eight forty 840 to eight forty-five, searching for a scarf from the Gap website and a sunflower umbrella stand. Lacey loves sunflowers. She had a. I think she. I think they said in the, in the article that she had a sunflower tattoo. So like, I'm about to go get a sunflower tattoo. I don't on. even like flowers. They talked about what they had going on that day, and then they got to it. Scott loaded three large exterior umbrellas and a tarp into his truck, said hello to his neighbors, and then filled a mop bucket for Lacey to mop the floor, then sat and watched Martha Stewart living on TV. Lacey was already watching it, so I guess he just like kind of joined in. He leaves between 9.30 and 10.30. Scott mentions that the episode was about lemon meringue cookies. Remember that? Lacey was about to mop, walk Mackenzie the dog around East La Loma Park, and then go to the store to prepare for Christmas morning breakfast. Lacey and her mom spoke the night before about all the preparations they were supposed to go over, and she was supposed to meet up with her mom later on that day.
1: And that seems like a lot of stuff for an eight eight-month pregnant woman to be doing by herself. Putting shoes on is a challenge for pregnant women, let alone mopping. Like, I wanted to ask you that whole time, like, wait, what the hell was she doing mopping? Pregnant. I don't get it.
0: I don't, I don't. Mm-mm.
1: It's the day before Christmas, and as busy as that day can be, Scott should be busier than her. I mean, okay, the most eventful part of Christmas is the morning, followed by, you know, Christmas dinner. But the day before Christmas is the busiest day of the year by far.
0: So Scott goes to his work complex approximately nine minutes away. he stops in logged into his work computer several times between nine, or 1030 and 1056 which I don't find suspicious because I have I have a job where you have to log into your computer like I have to log in when I go to certain um, parts of my company's website. Yeah, like, but
1: do you clock in and out or is it no just no it's not logging? it's not
0: about it's not about clocking in and out like if i'm if i'm trying to find something about a certain store i have to log in to access it and then like let's say i, oh. I switch to another store like, it's going to ask me for it. my login again okay so it doesn't scream desperate attempt to establish an, al- an alibi yet he checked some work emails, he sent an email, like I think his boss had called him um, and left a voicemail and he was sending an email about that. And then he looked up how to put together a woodworking tool called a mortiser and, be, and began putting it together. After that, S- Scott started to clean his warehouse storage unit thing and he started unloading some tools out of his truck. While doing so, he cut his hand and tracked blood into his truck. Remember that. Scott had bought a 14-foot aluminum boat for his, father, his father-in-law, his father apparently, because Robert was a, a fishing aficionado. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know why I put those two words it's next to easy. each other. Yeah, and it was stored in, in his uh, warehouse. And for those who have a hard time with measurements like I do, let's put 14 feet in perspective to everyday things that you might see. 14 feet is about as long as a Volkswagen, like a Beetle.
1: Got it.
0: Half as long as a London double-decker bus. So, like, you see those. We have people that listen to this podcast in London, or at least in Europe.
1: No, we're going to stick with London. Hey, what up, London?
0: England is where I was going with that.
1: Oh. Well, you know those buses. I know what buses you're talking about. Buses that people
0: can Yeah, get you've on top seen of. it. All right. So like uh, a yeah. tourist bus. Chop it in half. The red one. Yeah. The big double decker yeah. son of a bitch. Chop it in half. Uh, It's about as long as two king size beds. Okay. Stressing the word about.
1: So this isn't a, a big.
0: No, it's not a little. It's a dinghy with a motor on it. Okay. The, the, best, the best way you can put it together, at least in my head, was six and a half women's steps or five and a half men's steps. So take six steps, and that's how long the boat was. All right. It's a big boat for people who don't know anything about boats. Boats and hoes. But it's a small boat. So small that if you had a choice to put it out on the water, a smart person wouldn't choose the San Francisco Bay. Police searched the warehouse on the day Lacey went missing, but the only thing out of place was the fact that there was now a boat in the warehouse because nobody knew Scott had a boat. But maybe Lacey did. The One of the manager ladies said that she had saw Lacey at the warehouse like three days before christmas eve and scott had bought the boat i think december 14th i'm no. assuming that's where he changed his mind about going golf he was supposed to be going golfing that day on christmas eve for whatever reason
1: because it don't snow in california that's why
0: well yeah oh, okay so you're, you're are, are you team scott right now
1: N- yeah no you know what hell no because scott did some fucked up shit But what I was going to say was, um, so this boat he was supposed to buy for his father-in-law, right? Mm -hmm. Just never gave it to him? Or was it for Christmas?
0: It was Christmas Eve. So
1: he bought it in December 14th. Okay. So it very well could have been uh, for his father-in-law or, or, hear me out, it could be for some shit that Scott was going to do that was fucked up. He could have been buying the boat to do what he needed to do in that boat. Well, he
0: said he bought the boat for his father. For a
1: cover. Who's
0: a fishing aficionado. (laughs) A fishing aficionado.
1: I'd just be disrespected if my son-in-law, who makes so much money, fucking buy me a 14-foot boat. That was just enough for him and some other person.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not a nice boat, by any means. It's not a yacht.
1: I'd be insulted.
0: So I'm assuming this is where he changed his mind about going golfing because he was supposed to go golfing that day. He said it was too cold and he just needed to get the boat out on some water. So Scott hooked up the boat and he leaves the warehouse around 1118 and drives to the Berkeley Marina in San Francisco Bay. And his boat launch ticket is stamped at 1254 p.m. I've never owned a boat. Thought about owning a boat. Or even like water that much. Know any nautical terms. Don't like the beach.
1: Oh, come on. You booked your room yet?
0: I really don't know how imperative it is to just want to drive with a boat attached to your car for 90 miles. That's how far away the Berkeley Marina was from where he was. I looked it up and there's 11 other fishing areas, more particularly bodies of water, in which he could have got the boat on in some in some water. So he gets out to the water. He stays out there for what he says feels like an hour and a half. Like, people see him and his little boat on the water, and it looks so cute. And... <laughs>
1: Look at that little cute boat. You know, cute, broke, bitch! It
0: was a cute boat. <laughs> people see him at the marina. They see him you know, launching his boat into some water, so there's no really just question of if he was there or not. He brought his fishing rod and some tackle, and he describes his whereabouts when he went out on the lake to authorities. However, when he got out on the lake, he realized that he left all of his fishing equipment in the truck.
1: Does going fishing mean you actually have to fish? Yeah. Well, he didn't, so he can't say he went fishing if he didn't have any fishing shit.
0: Well, like, okay, so it's in my truck. Let's let's say that's not weird. Let's say that he, it was imperative to get this boat on some water. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't know
1: why it was so important to me either. Because what, was he test driving it the day before Christmas? I guess, I, yeah, okay. Some kind of shit? All
0: right. He was making sure the motor worked and uh, it floated. The day before Christmas. Float? He yeah, floated? Yeah, no,
1: I am not fucking team Scott. Crazy. All
0: right, so. His phone records show that he was in the area for 78 minutes. Lacey, or Scott calls Lacey as he's leaving the marina. She doesn't answer, so he leaves the voicemail.
1: Hey, beautiful. I just left you a message at home. It's 2.15. I'm leaving Berkeley. I won't be able to get the Bella Farms to get you the basket for Papa. I was hoping you would get this message and go on out there. I'll see you in a bit, Tweety. Love you. Bye.
0: First off, most sketchy of voicemail I've ever heard in my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's stating the time.
0: He's literally getting an alibi established type voicemail. He's establishing he's nowhere near her or could have been near her, sending police out to Vela Farms on a wild goose hunt and leaving himself completely out of the equation. If that's in fact what he's doing and she wasn't supposed to be on her feet because her doctors told her, hey, you're getting nauseous because you're standing a lot. <laughs> She was having problems with that, and Scott's like, hey, after you finish mopping and walking the dog and washing dishes, doing laundry, I need you to take your ass (laughs) out to Bella Farms to get that basket for Papa, okay? I'm not going to make it. Fuck Scott for that.
1: Yeah. Fucking asshole.
0: She's pregnant as fuck. She's pregnant as fuck.
1: Eight months, bruh. I'm going to wish it on nobody.
0: Meanwhile, ninety miles back in Modesto, around ten o'clock, ten fifteen, a neighbor in the area found Mackenzie walking outside of the Peters the Peterson house without or with her leash still attached, no owner. The neighbor thought that's crazy. And just brought the back the dog back into the backyard of the Peterson house. And Mackenzie isn't a little dog, it's a fucking gold, golden retriever, so not a teacup Chihuahua or anything like that.
1: You can't just pick this dog up.
0: <laughs> no, you're not just gonna pick it up and put it like you have to. First off, the dog ha- the dog has to be comfortable enough with you. So it says something about how close the neighborhood is. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna walk up on my neighbor's dog. I mean, he's got a teacup Chihuahua. <laughs> I'm still not gonna walk up on that dog because, like, will one,
1: walk up on Maggie.
0: No, he's yeah, he's not gonna do that.
1: Maggie gonna walk up on him.
0: <laughs> yeah maggie's gonna walk up on you and Wish
1: i got a pit 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 bull
0: so the neighbors you know put the dog back into the backyard of the peterson house and it makes sense for someone in a in a neighborhood like that to you know just be nice and just put your dog up
1: oh come here baby
0: so while scott is out he calls lacy again at a gas station but he doesn't leave a voicemail And he gets back to the warehouse at 4.15. He unhooks the boat. He parks the boat. Spends another five minutes in the office before heading to the house. Scott comes home about 4.45. He doesn't find Lacey there. But he finds Mackenzie with his leash on outside near the side entrance of the house. He empties the mop bucket that he had filled up. He filled the mop bucket up outside. His words, not mine. He comes home and the mop bucket is still full. And um
1: he's so, probably like that bitch didn't even fuck him up.
0: <laughs> he <laughs> empties the mop bucket out and he thinks the because he thinks the cats are drinking out of him. Apparently, that cats I don't know. I, like it, it didn't just say anything about the <laughs> the, cat the cats in this in the article in the articles and documentaries. I'll I'll list all the the sources at the end of this episode. So he empties out the mop bucket and Scott knows her car's there, her purse is there, her wallet's there. All her shit is there, but she isn't. Why isn't this sending him, like, red flags? Like, all of the red flags. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is the most appropriate time to make a phone call. But it doesn't. He changes clothes. He puts his clothes in the wash machine. He grabs a piece of pizza and some milk from the fridge. Uh, I guess he beats off. <laughs> his wife isn't home. I'm, you know, I'm not kidding. <laughs> like <laughs> like geez, you're rat. foreshadowing, okay? Like, okay, fucking foreshadowing. So an hour goes by, and there's no sign of Lacey. After getting out the shower, Scott checks the home phone messages and discovers that Ron Grantsky. Lacey's stepfather left a message asking Scott and Lacey to bring whipped cream when they stopped by later for the Christmas Christmas morning supplies.
1: So wait, I said Mm father-in-law. My bad. Earlier on, I said father-in-law. I meant stepfather,
0: who the boat was for. Right? I don't know. I'll just cut it out.
1: The, The boat that he bought for Christmas. I can't
0: remember what you said. I'm, I, said, I'm fa- shoot, I'm, I said father-in-law. I'm flying but- by the seat of my pants right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what old people say.
1: <laughs> what the fuck did you say?
0: I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Okay. You're yeah. 32. That's what old us. Look, youngster. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, cat. Hold up, young blood. <laughs> uh, Scott then calls Ron and Sharon at 517 and tells them that Lacey is missing.
1: That's damn near night, nighttime.
0: Five seventeen in December. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it well, works. Tom just of the went
1: back, so you know it looks like it's seven or uh, six o'clock outside,
0: when but it's
1: really five in California. Is it, it... They've been up since fucking a.m. Okay, so maybe m. the
0: sun is setting. It's not down.
1: Either way, he got his shit stamped at twelve fifty-four. He got home at four forty-five, and then. He calls the police. To, okay, like you said an hour ago. But he didn't I still, call the police. He called the parents.
0: Yeah, he called the parents. Okay.
1: It still just seems like, bro.
0: She had been all missed... her
1: shit is at home. Yeah. You should have called them when you got there.
0: Flags all so, over so, the place. So, just throw them. Yeah. Okay. Throw, throw throw all of the flags.
1: Yeah, I know. It's fucked up to call her parents in the fucking middle of the evening. And they, hey, I don't know where your daughter at. And you know she's pregnant, right? Ooh, yeah. Have you seen her?
0: She had been missing for six hours at this point, like unaccounted for. Nobody knew where she was. So a question I would ask is how long is too long before the cops are called? Furthermore, why wasn't Scott the one to call authorities? Could he have? Well, yeah, 30 minutes went by without calling anybody after the initial, like Scott calling the parents. And being like, hey, I don't know where Lacey's at. Do y'all?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you, there have
0: seen her? And, and what, I'm, what I'm getting at is there should have been two calls. It's okay to call the cops more than once. Like, let's say you're getting your ass whooped. And you call the cops the first time. And 30 minutes goes by. You can call them back. He's like, hey, I'm still getting my ass whooped over. And
1: hey, where y'all at? Where are y'all? I called somebody. And...
0: So within 15 minutes of the initial 911 call, eight cops of cars responded. That's a lot of cops.
1: Eight cars, B.
0: That's eight cars. It's Christmas, Christmas Eve. How, like, and,
1: and it's too, like, you driving by, it's too many to count. Like, oh, eight ones. Lights
0: everywhere. <laughs> Bro. So stick it, like, remember that. All right. Eight cars of police cars. Eight cars of police cars. Eight cars of cop cars. Eight police officers. <laughs> at least eight police officers. Nah
1: two car, or eight cars it was at
0: least so two you're telling per, two you two per car I was about to say like are you telling me like some cars drove themselves <laughs> mm-hmm, <yeah. laughs> like there was only four <laughs> cops eight cop cars like what the yeah, fuck but, an investigation is immediately launched and investigators are asking the family to meet out at East La Loma Park where Scott said that Lacey went police are setting up helicopters over the park canvassing the neighborhood while back at the Peterson house investigators are talking to Scott they're asking him if they can search the house and he lets them walk through Lacey's car phone and purse were still in the house no signs of forced entry so all immediate evidence points to Lacey just going to walk the dog I guess that's something
1: I mean she couldn't very well not even went back to the house like I told you she probably said I would walk my dog
0: like if I were to walk Maggie I would leave, I wouldn't leave none of that shit. Like, what? I, know, I need a no, phone like,
1: to do something while I walk because it's boring. I'll need my keys just in case I decide to go somewhere when I get back. And I need my wallet because it's my, <laughs> I'm a black person in America. <laughs> <Like> that's why.
0: <laughs> Shots fired. Bang, bang. Scott's cars also searched bags of unopened fishing lures, a dry camouflage jacket, and a boat cover along with the three large patio umbrellas were found. I guess back in 2002 it was just common to leave your phone. Mm. I was 15 and I had a cell phone, but it definitely wasn't common for 15-year-olds to have cell phones. What I do know is if a woman has left her purse, her car and her the phone,
1: phone out. I freaked out.
0: She's not you're not going anywhere mm-hmm. without that stuff.
1: Nope, no, I'm not. If I feel like my purse or my wallet is not in my hand where I walked somewhere and had it and not leaving with the bitch, I just, everything shuts down.
0: So my question about what they found in his truck is why didn't the boat cover make it back on the boat? Either way, it leads no clues to Lacey. Unasked, Scott hands over his parking receipt from going fishing that day. The, the Marina's Tom stamped ticket. He's like, here you go they didn't even ask for it he just handed it to him
1: here take this
0: like this is where i was don't ask me any questions about it because here we go
1: i'm clean go 11 for
0: it. 11 o'clock that night scott storage warehouse is searched by three three different detectives scott is asked to come down to the police station and he does he's questioned they take a gunshot residue test and he agrees to take a polygraph test but it wasn't administered that day I think what's important to note from the police interview is that Scott had his hands in his pockets almost immediately after their interview started. He was asked if there were any issues in the marriage, and he replies, no. I believe the follow up question was, Is everything good? And Scott replied, Uh huh. Like, I, I shit you not. He replied, Uh huh. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's good. Can go? Needless to say, not a very convincing, uh huh. The search was focused on the last place that she could have went, East Liloma Park. Helicopters, officers on horseback, boats, divers, people on their hands or knees <laughs> are looking for Lacey. This is a full-blown Christmas Eve, everybody bring your ass to work day. There was a volunteer center set up at Red Lion on Christmas Day. Please get a warrant for the search of the warehouse to properly search the unit like forensically search the unit the warehouse was about the size of a large like a, a super storage unit you know what i mean like he had his he had like a bunch of chemicals in there fertilizer in there there was a boat <laughs> <laughs> that
1: damn boat
0: there was a boat and but like you couldn't there was no like getting anything else in there after he put the boat in there so it was it was big but not really all it wasn't uh-huh. an office investigators do find one concrete anchor and five residue rings of you know like he made his own anchors for yeah. fishing I don't know what I'm saying. again i don't know shit about fishing i like i imagined like, you, when you just got in a boat, you just got out there and didn't do anything else. But an apparently you use anchors. Boat? Huh?
1: There's an engine in this boat? <laughs>
0: There's a snake in my boots.
1: <laughs> There's gas. You put gas in this, too?
0: So, six anchors. Remember that. How many, how many arms you got?
1: Four. Two. Fuck. Two.
0: How many legs you got? Two. How many heads you got?
1: one how many heads you got
0: five anchors are missing remember that okay
1: damn he fucking failed miserably
0: <laughs> there's also a pair of pliers found with hair consistent of laces suspect hair yeah it's still circumstantial so dog hair gets everywhere okay women's hair y'all shed okay so, like, you could be...
1: I wear weave when I'm you, doing, like, robberies and killings and shit so my DNA doesn't get everywhere.
0: Smart girl. So, while all of this is going on, you know, the cops, the search, the questions, all this, there's a robbery reported right across the street from the Peterson house. So, remember those eight cars of cops? <laughs> like, how? Like, okay. How? How? If you're if you're gonna break into somebody's house, and coincidentally, eight cars of cops show up across the street, you
1: got to be high as fuck.
0: You got to you got to be really good at what you're doing and have a whatever. After no luck searching the area, the search is expanded, and anyone that has been paroled, committed any type of violent crime or offense towards a woman or a violent sex crime is a suspect. And there is a lot. There's a lot. lot, lot. And that's a lot of time and effort on the police department to check and clear all these people.
1: I could only imagine trying to find out all the pedophiles that live in the area because there's a lot of them. Don't be surprised. You can download the same app everybody else has downloaded and see how many of them you share the same Walmart with.
0: So about the burglary, on the 27th of December, a report is made aware to the investigators about... The robbery across the street from the Petersons. The Medina family left for a two-day vacation on the 24th at 10.30 a.m. They know this because they have uh, cell phone records from the the family stating that they were, they were leaving at about 10.30 a.m. They returned on the 26th and knew someone had ran up in their house. The back door was kicked in and there were things missing like a safe, jewelry, money, whatever. A neighbor corroborated the story saying that at 1130 she saw a van outside of the Medina house with three guys standing outside of it. So this is like the first real something to grab onto. Maybe a lead. Because they aren't finding shit out in the woods and they're not getting anything from all these people that are questioning. And they're looking hard as fuck by now. Like you got helicopters and horses and divers. and like, okay. <laughs> horses. They, they even broke out their special CIA, CIA dogs that can smell you and find you wherever you are in the world. Assuming you're not under underwater, but even still, yeah, they can probably find you. The dogs lead the investigation in the opposite direction of the park. So maybe Lacey saw something of this robbery and got body snatched. So detectives reach out to the media to find any information about this robbery And asking anybody to come forward about it. So this attractive, intelligent, pregnant, white woman goes missing on the day before Christmas in California. You stir all that up in the pot and what do you got? Drum roll, please. Hey. National coverage, people. (laughs) I hate to say it really captured the attention of America because it didn't. White women go missing all the time. All
1: the time. Beach, South Carolina is the highest.
0: It captured the attention of the media, who runs the news coverage. They had just started the whole twenty-four hour news cycle, capture everything that happens, kind of news shit. So, like, this is the only thing going on right now.
1: Happened. So like
0: around
1: Christmas and all since like dominate. 2002, that shit happened in what?
0: 96. Yeah. Good, good, good try. Well,
1: 96, that's like what,
0: five years later? The media is basically just shoving this shit just down America's throat. So, like, what choice do you really even have as far as, like, when you turn on the TV to, you know, to watch, you know, something, this is on. Yeah. The only person that seems not bothered is Scott for some reason. Sure, no one person can say that. They know how they would react to just any given situation, especially one like your wife going missing, or your pregnant wife going missing. But it's he, he's really just not saying anything. He's not giving statements, he's not doing interviews. He doesn't even want to be on camera. Kinda sketch?
1: Not kinda.
0: There's a difference between overreacting like the stepdad did in one of the interviews I watched, or underreacting like the mother did in the exact same interview that I'd watch, but no reaction will put your ass on the radar just the same. Maybe Scott low-key had a lawyer, and if he did, then naturally a lawyer would tell you not to talk to police, not to talk to, a me- uh, talk to the media, and avoid outrageous displays of emotion because you could shoot yourself in the foot. And they could find out something that you didn't want them to know. Foreshadowing. This has <laughs> got so. This is so deep. Like, I like I for one don't have any one opinion. But as far as the Hall of Fame, a uh, Hall of Shame goes, <clears throat> Scott Peterson is you know he he goes on the wall. Like we're gonna I'm a I'm gonna cut this little wall out right here and put Hall of Shame. And Scott Peterson has made it to the wall. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, because, like, like, okay, let's say he didn't do it. He's still on death row. So you have to be the unluckiest motherfucker in the world to say.
1: But no, I mean, like, if he did have a lawyer, he did all those things, like, not talk to the police, media, and he still fucked himself.
0: Yeah, that's like, so what I'm not saying. Showing like showing
1: any display of emotion or them finding out like it's kinda double it's not even a double standard, like if damn if I do, damn if I don't.
0: The date came for the polygraph test and Scott had changed his mind about taking it. He had a, he had a conversation with his dad and they agreed that he shouldn't take it. And by the way, fuck polygraph tests because like if you got like bad nerves,
1: you'll fail it.
0: You'll fail it. If you have like, if you have to poop,
1: <laughs>
0: I feel like like you might if just anything fail is a polygraph. Your mind, and, like, don't take a polygraph. Don't take a fucking polygraph. I'm going to make a shirt that says "Don't take the polygraph," mm-hmm. and I'm going to do a giveaway for it. So stay tuned for that.
1: Yeah. i it. I need that.
0: Investigators decide to comb through Scott's alibi asking people to come forward to basically vouch that they saw Scott at the marina or his 2002 bronze Ford F-150 dragging his little dinghy out to the marina. Oddly enough, Scott, even in his absence from giving a fuck, wasn't a suspect until now. For whatever reason. But Lacey's parents are defending Scott. Her mother says, quote, if you knew Scott, you wouldn't have any doubt, unquote. Basically fluffing his character, further further making him look like, well, his story checks out. And the- But then a bombshell drops, a blonde one. Mm-hmm. That was good, right? That was good. Like a good segue. Like, well, you Li- already
1: said the mom was fluffing. So.
0: Lisa Frank word art, bro. A hundred miles away in Fresno, California, Amber Fry, a 27-year-old massage therapist and single mother of one, is in the midst of an affair with Scott Peterson. And she has no idea whatsoever about his missing wife. So, she is in today's society the side chick. Her and Scott met through a mutual friend and went on a blonde date. They hit it off, and they went on a couple more dates. The relationship got to the point where she introduced her kid to Scott. Super big deal. If she was any kind of good mom, she definitely could have held off on that. Homegirl didn't even wait three months before breaking her kid into the situation. new daddy. Because they met November 20th, 2002. So Scott is Captain Savaho. Kate billowing in the san francisco bay when he's basically courting this woman at this point he's sending her flowers they're going out on dates they're going to christmas parties together he's taking pictures with her the whole non probably thinking that well she probably doesn't watch the news because she's a woman she'll never see this national coverage of him and his entire family looking for his missing wife but the media turns up the temperature on Scott because he's acting hella weird by not reacting at all. He's taking down pictures of him and Lacey. he doesn't want to do interviews, give statements or nothing. so the media just starts to to just like r- yeah run up run up on him basically to force some emotion out of him. You know all about it because how shitty does it feel to be in an argument? with somebody who's not arguing with you. So they, they put Scott's ass in the hot seat now and these news crews are sitting outside his house. There was a there was a is a madhouse out front of his house. Like think verbally abusive paparazzi or maybe just paparazzi. Like I don't know. I've never okay. seen paparazzi before. We've never we've never seen a whole bunch of people holding cameras yeah. doing anything. Nah. Think if you go outside one day and 20 guys holding heavy ass camera equipment run up on you and like they say "Ah. (laughs) nah what are you fishing for see he didn't have an answer to what he was fishing for that day I think he finally came up with like sturgeon and fishing experts later concluded that he did not have let alone the right equipment for that type of fish. So then they asked, what lures did you lures?" see? Yeah. <laughs> what? see? Yeah. Which he also didn't have an answer for because he didn't use any. So they, they, they started asking more aggressive questions like, why'd you fucking do it, bro? <laughs>
1: oh, these voices
0: nobody in their right mind would know how to handle this type of harassment
1: especially if they was talking like that
0: and it'd be legal
1: <laughs> i can't think you got it see you're
0: laughing see,
1: <laughs> you're laughing, see?
0: <laughs> how'd you do it did you dump a body in the water see huh
1: Is that why you took the boat out on the water see
0: where's the boat <laughs> let me drive the boat see <laughs> Nobody in their right mind would know how to handle this type of harassment and it be legal. But Scott is not acting like a grieving husband. And if he's in fact still working as a salesman for the fertilizer company, it's got to make things awful complicated. Like, everywhere you go, as far as work, they're like, hey, there's like 30 cars blocking the fucking intersection out here. Like, I understand you're trying to sell us some shit. Literally, but you got people following you. B- we can't park, <laughs> period. So, December 29th, a friend tells Amber that the guy she's dating might be the same guy in the news with a missing pregnant wife.
1: Oh, shit.
0: She's completely caught off guard. I don't know how. Don't know. she She completely fell into Scott Peterson's thirst trap. And for those of you who don't know what a thirst trap is, a thirst trap is the act of showing yourself in a more or less lascivious manner to attract the attention of the opposite sex, maybe the same sex, whatever you're into, and motivate them to slide into them DMs. (laughs) One of many definitions of the expression, both the results are still the same. Amber slid all up in them DMs, and now she's implicated in the disappearance of Lacey Peterson. She does the smart thing and calls the police first. Probably the smartest thing anybody does in this case. Lead, lead investigator something brocchini I forgot. I know his last name is Bruchini and I can pronounce it. But he's the lead investigator. The lead investigator something brokini is immediately on the phone with her. Like when she called... The receptionist lady or whatever. Like, homeboy was walking past her while she was on the phone with her. So, that's how he got on the phone with her so fast. Oh, okay. Um, so, he and another detective leave Modesto and head to Fresno. Amber shows detectives cards, presents, pictures... All from Scott. I mean, she's putting her whole ass out there. And the conversation turns damning when she tells investigators about a discussion of marriage. Not between the two of them, but if Scott had been married before. Now, this happened weeks before the murder. But Scott's response is the most fucked up. Scott told her originally that he hadn't been married. And they met back in November. Like, not a month Before all this shit happened. Or at least a month. A month and a couple days. But he then changed his story. Telling her that this would be his first holiday. He was married. But his wife passed away. And this would be the first holidays without her. On December 9th. So like a couple weeks before she was murdered. Homeboy already killed her. In his head. (laughs) Killed her off. Now. She's she's missing.
1: She's not even missing yet and she already gone.
0: No she's not. December 9th she was alive and well. Now he either thought this through. Like. Methodically thought this through. Or he's got to be the. Just just the unluckiest person alive. And still for some reason. So put. So putting himself out there to just openly admit to lying about being married, then saying who he's married to is gone. Amber didn't know how to take this. So she didn't ask how the wife died. She just kind of was like, oh, not gonna touch that. And that's probably the best move she could have made. Detectives devise a plan to keep Scott talking to Amber and record all of their phone calls, like all of their phone calls. There's a lot of phone calls. December 31st, 2002, New Year's Eve, Scott calls Amber and says he's at the Eiffel Tower in France, celebrating the New Year, popping bottles and enjoying the fireworks. On one of their dates, he told her that he would be in Europe around Christmas for business, and that's all well and good. However, that's not where Scott is. He's actually at a candlelight vigil for his missing wife and unborn child in East Loma Park. The cops knew where he was, and Amber knew who, where he was too, but my man's on the phone talking to her like he's at the fucking Af- <laughs> that fucking Eiffel Tower. So I got a small bit of the transcript from that conversation. You're gonna be Amber, I'm gonna be Peterson. You're Fry, I'm Peterson. All right. Don't so me, this me. is a reenactment of that of that clip because I can't stand her voice and I can't stand his voice. So we're we're gonna do this. You read it however you feel like is necessary, and I'm going to do the same.
1: All right. Are you having a good time? Amber!
0: <laughs> hey happy new happy, happy new year okay,
1: okay. happy new year Scott
0: I wanted to call you
1: thank you Amber are you there yeah I'm here Amber, <laughs> I wish you could hear me
0: I'm um <laughs> I think there's um I'm um near the ava tower yeah that's where I'm at <laughs> and, and, and the New Year's celebration's unreal. The crowd's huge. The crowd's huge. Amber! <laughs> the crowd's huge? Amber! Yeah, I'm here. Amber! <laughs> if, if you're there, I can't hear you right now, but I'll call you on your New Year's. Oh. What?
1: All right.
0: That's the most... awkward...
1: <laughs> Disrespectful
0: hilarious moments ever to be recorded for evidence i've ever heard he's literally like oh my god it's so pretty my friends pascal and Henri are just kicking it we're (laughs) we're fucking doing numbers out here in france super (laughs) super super cringe please know now that they're dealing with a practice pathological liar i think the professional term for that is salesman for short they should have known from the jump he was already a salesman and salesmen are dangerous people to deal with.
1: Yeah, and any, any asset.
0: Have you ever bought something you didn't want, need, yes. or have any practical use for? Like yes. my season pass to the Greenville Swamp Rabbits hockey team?
1: Or the Children's Museum.
0: Say less. Yes. I know now that he was able to dodge bullets and jump through hoops and not be implicated to the point Of being a suspect. But the power of pussy will weaken even the strongest man. And he drops the ball there. Maybe he was supposed to be in France for business. But this unfortunate disappearance caused him to stay home. And he had to keep a lie going. The ABCs of a salesman always be closing. (laughs) At this point, he's either trying to close the relationship with Amber. Maybe thinking... I could say I'm in Europe, I'm going to stay in Europe, this relationship is over, I'm dating fucking Russian supermodels now, I'm done with you. Or maybe this case will blow over and I can come back and I can make this my new baby mama. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Either way, investigators are now aware that Scott is covering something up. They announced foul play the day after New Year's and they dive into Scott's whereabouts, keeping tabs on him. Dozens and dozens of phone calls have been recorded and listened to by police, and they're praying that he slips up and says something about Lacey. But all of these phone calls are super, super cringe, and I don't know how Amber was even able to keep a straight face. Like, he's promising her that their relationship's going to get better, he misses her, and he wants to hug her.
1: I know know where your raggedy ass at, and little do you know, is I'm playing you what she get out
0: of it well it might have sounded like amber might have sounded like a whole retard or a whole idiot yeah but she she was actually the best salesman in this story she had to sell the fact that she was still in this relationship with somebody and didn't know that his pregnant wife was missing that's a salesman right there she got a book deal out of it i know but right now, Amber is the best part of this investigation. And on the right side of the investigation, which is the best move for her, in my opinion, there's over 29 hours of audio. And I would have blown my cover in 15 minutes working with police. You're like, lying. he, he's literally on the phone like, hey, I
1: know. can I you hear shit. me?
0: And she's like, yeah, station. I can hear you. <laughs> she's like,
1: It not like a whole bunch of people around talking. It don't sound like fireworks and... You being in France on top of some buildings.
0: Like, at the no, alcohol. he's trying to pretend like I can
1: hear the background. It sounds. It sounds like a visual.
0: It's no. What he's like trying to to prove is like, hey, the reception's bad, so he's like, I can't hear you, and he's like, just sitting there waiting for the bitch to be like, we're in can. the same state. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same time. Like Thanks. you look. Look at your phone, bro. I'm gonna call you back on
1: your New Year's. What?
0: This is <laughs> all right. After weeks of recording, Amber's cover is finally blown and one of the pictures that she gave to investigators made it to the National Enquirer, that tabloid newspaper that's at the end of every grocery aisle. So, they had no hesitation in breaking the story because it was so popular in the media. What syndication would not publish this turn of events? Police rushed to warn the parents before they found out in the grocery store aisle Needless to say, they're no longer Team Scott. Oh yeah. Nobody. Nobody yet. Just just putting that out there I do not I yeah, d I don't no I don't body. want anybody to forget that we still don't have a body at this point. In hindsight, if Scott did do it though, did all the legwork to set up this elaborate alibi, setting up the boat, the story, the side chick, the disappearance, like a s- psychopathic mastermind? Could he have just sent investigators Amber's way and said, hey, I got this crazy stalker bitch up my ass. Maybe she did it. And maybe y'all can get rid of her because me and my family need help right now. Could this story have not been more convincing is what I'm saying. The not talking to police, the not wanting to be on camera. He could have used it all to his advantage and said, bro, I'm a fucking hostage in plain sight. But maybe Amber beat him to the confession suicide pact that they had. Maybe Amber did it. I don't know. Just a theory. Perhaps an alternate ending. The story would have been just as good. So January 24th, 2003, at this point, any information leading to the discovery of Lacey Peterson is at a half a million dollars. A press conference is called by the Modesto Police Department and Amber Fry also prepared a statement for that press conference. She addresses to the media that she met Scott November 20th, 2002, and that Scott told her he was definitely not married, definitely not about to have a baby. Their relationship was romantic. Okay. And when she found out that he was involved with the disappearance, she immediately called Modesto police. I mean, like did you watch the interview? She was fucking froze at the podium in front of all of those cameras. I mean, my nerves would have shut down.
1: I would have passed
0: the fuck out. Oh yeah, I would have passed out. Like I'm I'm I got to sit here and and tell y'all like, "Hey, I've been You're fucking see- this dude." <laughs> but I ain't got like nothing the sight to do. Of
1: blood. He would have he would have fucking passed out too.
0: Uh-uh.
1: All those cameras, national TV me live.
0: Can't do it. Uh-uh. I would have wrote a note and gave it to somebody sure. else. I'm like, Stay hey, go read this.
1: For me. I would have been the spokesperson. I would have got tied in this shit like, hey, this must be on my behalf. Like, she fuck.
0: she literally had to go into the lion's den, willingly confess that she was the side chick. And that had, that's the most, like, outside of dying. Yeah, yeah you, you literally. I got to go in front rich. of all those people and be like, hey, I was cheating on. hmm I was cheated.
1: I was the mistress.
0: I was the mistress,
1: and I didn't know it. So, so label if me as if I could too.
0: say if I could say one thing to Amber Fry, people involved in your life, whether you like it or not, whether you knew them or not, were murdered, and you're selling a story that's not yours. That's what makes Amber and other women like her terrible people. The uh, bitch from. The Chris Watts case. Nicole Kessinger. Same 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 fucking a, thing. She
1: wrote a book or something? Or try to
0: Amber wrote a book, yeah. And got money off of it. And then Nicole looked like one of her Google searches was how much money did Amber Fry make off of, you know, writing a book. So fuck her, fuck Scott, and fuck people like them. That's what I would say to Amber, yeah. She's she's nice nice looking woman though, you know. No. So Amber gives her statement and then So Amber gives her statement, search for Lacey comes to a halt, and now all eyes are on Scott. So now Scott is, I don't know, in freak out mode, I assume. A person that wanted no spotlight, no media coverage is now lying, cheating, suspect of the whereabouts of his wife and a murderer. Not a good look, bro. So much for keeping up the spotlight. You can just, you know, keep fucking around with your side chick while your wife is missing. Nah, you can't. Now you're on the front page. Congratulations. You just played yourself. Scott is now out of the pan into the fire. The public hates him. The media hates him. Amber hates him. Lacey's parents hate him. He gains the title of the most hated man in America at this point, and even after the fact that Amber aired all his dirty laundry, he still tries to fucking be with Amber. Further developments of the robbery across the street from the Peterson house start to roll in. Remember the key people that kicked in the door across the street? The alleged body snatchers? Stephen Todd and Donald Pierce. They were two small-time bandits who inevitably were caught and confessed like yeah we didn't break we broke into the house yeah we did that But we had nothing to do with that pregnant woman we didn't see a pregnant woman we didn't touch a pregnant woman we don't have anything to do with that and also we didn't break in that house on christmas eve we broke into that house the day after they took polygraph tests and they passed them both i don't know why but like they're no longer suspects at this point. I don't know what to believe about that. But hey, they took them, So there's that. Other developments include the clearing of everyone inside the parameters set about the the sex offenders, the the parolees, all those people, they cleared everybody else at this point. So police decide to focus more on Scott, which is okay. He's the husband. If there's any, but if there's anything to link him to the crime at this point, it should be gone, or it has been gone a long time ago. And in my opinion, they finally start to drill in on his fishing alibi to figure out what happened in that boat to paint the picture of where they are searching. Of uh, you remember Full House? You know that big red bridge. They're they're driving across. Right. That's the Golden Gate Bridge, and that's where they're looking for this body. They have multiple.
1: Is that, is that what that water is where he at?
0: Yeah. Okay. So now you, now you know where you're you where you are. Yeah. They have multiple counties searching sonar boats. They're looking for other streams and lakes in the Bay Area. They're but they're dead set on this. Is where we're going to find the bodies of Lacey and her unborn son, Connor. And Scott's stupid ass is out there too. But not with the dive team. He's not with the search boats. He's just there. Just trying to blend in. And pretend like they don't see him. So, a lot has happened. A lot has happened in a couple days. And to put the cherry on top, Scott sold Lacey's car. And he's trying to sell their house sketch balls. His reasoning is that when he got Lacey's car back after they had searched it and all that, um, they kept his truck. But they gave him Lacey's car back. So he was gonna need it for work as a fertilizer salesman, so he wasn't gonna get it dirty. So he insisted that he didn't want to drive Lacey's car. She had a Land Rover. It was a nice Land Rover. But he sold it or he tried to sell it. The the owner or the, the the car dealership gave it back to the parents. long story short but
1: so he sold it
0: He tried to sell it, it yeah oh. He tried to sell it. the the car dealership gave the car back to the parents but he sold it because he didn't want to get her car dirty in case she came back. His story not making that up. Scott being quite popular with the media and not making himself look any better, He decides to do some interviews. Some terrible terrible. interviews. Bro. On January 28th, 2003, he makes himself look like like a whole idiot in front of Diane Sawyer. He openly admits to the infidelity. Alright. (laughs) Alright. You literally just let all your credibility go. Just now. Mid-interview. And then he says like, yeah, I, I'm cheating on her, but he's not involved with Lacey's disappearance. Just so you know, in the in the initial interview that was taped with uh Detective Brocchini, he asked Scott if he was cheating on his wife. And he was like, Nah, I'm not cheating on my wife. What? What? My wife, you're talking about here, buddy. You don't go there, pal. You better chill out, friend. So he tells Diane Sawyer, "Yeah, I'm cheating on my wife." I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Who doesn't cheat on their wife? So la, he tells Diane, or Diane asks Scott. He, she's like, "Did you? Did your wife know about it?" And Scott's like, "I told my wife in early December." Diane. Smacks her lips harder than I have ever heard anybody slap their lips before. I'm sure she said something, but they edited it out. If you want to see it, the like, look up the Diane Sawyer Scott Peterson interview, and the timestamp is three minutes and forty eight seconds. It's just like,
1: all right, you gonna sit here and
0: lie to my You gonna lie straight to my fucking face, bro? Okay, a pregnant woman is fine. With her husband cheating on her. Fuck out of here. All his credibility is fucking gone. Poof. Right in the middle of a sentence. He literally said that he was not cheating on her the day investigators interviewed him. The day she went missing. She's like, please think you did it. And he's like, where's the proof? And for someone who hasn't shown any basic, my wife is missing emotions... He really turns it up on the interview and does that crying shit. Remember the vigil call to to Amber? Media asked why wasn't he on stage with the rest of the family. He says this isn't about us being in front of the camera. This is about us to work to bring home one person who hurt the most. One person, not two people. There's two people in that one person. or There's, there's two you, people in that one person. Yeah. You you know yeah. what I'm saying. She's yeah. pregnant, okay? Like, she is with child. He's, he is, she is with child, and he is not... I don't he think I've heard him say the word Connor about the entire time. Oh, yeah, and he refers to Lacey in the past tense during the interview. Police are just watching this interview among the other couple interviews he does, like he does a couple local interviews and they go just as bad as that one. And they're just slowly building their case. After the interviews aired, two more women come forward saying they also had affairs with Scott. Same game, he played with Amber, wasn't married, no kid, no future, and it worked. He was not a bad looking guy post-Amber, emaciated prison Scott and It's probably a more sought after look than pre-amber chubby fat fuck Scott, who looked like Ben Affleck, but fuck him for cheating on his wife, fuck him for being a predator of the women, fuck him for giving everybody named Scott a bad name and just fuck that guy in general. Got that out of my system. February 10th, 2003, the due date for Connor Peterson passes and the bodies still have not been found. Another vigil is held, but Scott does not attend. Coincidentally, it's Amber's birthday as well, and Scott is on the phone with her, dropping off a birthday present at the children's hospital near where she lived. He didn't want to go directly to her house, because obviously the media is following him. So he hid like a CD and some other shit in some bushes. I couldn't find out exactly what it was, but I know he made a reference to... A song on the CD to their relationship so cringe level 99 at this point police issue a second search warrant on the Peterson house and they catch Scott in the act of canceling some porn channels he had just purchased oh you remember what I told you about the whacking off with the pizza and the milk okay so they catch Scott in the act of deleting some porn channels he just purchased some some softcore and some not so softcore Scott is lonely. Scott is a heterosexual male at this point. So lonely, in fact, that no one told him that you could just look this up on the internet for free. Just saying. (laughs) Tests come back from the hair on the pliers and is declared consistent with Lacey's hair in March of 2003. Not her hair, just consistent. Modesto police declared the case a homicide, so the line in the sand is drawn and all the evidence has amounted to this point scott is obviously a suspect but police are also checking into thousands of other leads thousands of other leads april 13 2003 after four months of working this case without a body along the shore of san francisco bay a body of an unborn child is discovered by a couple walking their dog dog i don't know what the fuck i'd do
1: you, if i saw a baby you wouldn't want to go outside no more no
0: hell no like i need i need benefits for this Like, I've seen some shit I can't unsee. I
1: can't work now. Y'all done scarred me for life.
0: The next day, another body is discovered one mile away from the first. It was basically... This is gonna be hard. It's basically just a torso, okay? okay? The next day, another body was discovered one mile away from the first. It was basically just a torso missing arms, legs, and the head also badly decomposed, as if the body had been in water for a long time. Tests were conducted to determine the relationship of the two bodies and it's concluded that the unborn body was more than likely inside of the woman before being forced out due to decomposition or a coffin birth. That's why the body wasn't in as rough shape as the woman. Like, the the baby's body was pretty pretty good yeah Yeah. like you'd be like oh that's a baby not like what the fuck is that basically dna test concluded on the 18th of april that the bodies were lacy and connor peterson police begin to prepare on how to tell the roaches as well as scott but scott is nowhere to be found at this point He's allegedly in the San Diego area, according to a track on his truck. But when they found the truck, they found someone else was driving it. He was eventually tracked down by a phone tap. And when they found him, as far as the media is concerned, his appearance had changed. Like, he dyed his hair. He dyed his goatee. Like, all all this shit was blonde now. And he was staying with his parents and his half-sister and driving a red mercedes so like i seen pictures of this like after he changed his appearance or whatever and the police knew he had dyed his hair blonde and shit like they knew that but this is the first time the media found him and was like oh he changed his appearance so what the fuck
1: what are you doing bro you so like for like
0: well I mean, I'd dye my hair, too, if it meant that it wouldn't get my burger spit in. If I ordered some food somewhere and they knew... Like, hey, that's uh, Scott... There's consequences. There's Scott Peterson out there in the drive-thru. I'm about to take a dump on his burger. Like, i dyed dye my hair, too. But I get it. But fuck Scott. All right? An arrest warrant is issued and they, tra- they track him driving super stupid. Hauling ass down the highway. Police thought he was heading to Mexico as if, you know, that would have did him any favors. He whips into Torrey Ponds golf course at 11.15 a.m. Scott is arrested and charged with the murder of Lacey and Connor Peterson. On his person, in the car was $15,000 in cash, three three credit cards, camping gear, dress clothes, a map of Fresno with directions to Amber's workplace, 12 Viagra tablets, several pairs of shoes, his brother's ID, three different cell phones, rope, knives, children's books, a shovel, pictures of him and Lacey. He could have been crossing the border. He could have been climbing a mountain. He could have been going to a job interview. Nobody really just knows why you keep all that shit in your car. But he claims that he was just going golfing. Coincidentally,
1: out of all that shit, (laughs)
0: coincidentally, no golf clubs are found. No golf clubs, though. Kind of suspect? Whatever. He's the most hated man in America at this point, so changing your appearance, I get that. Saying that you're living out your car, I get that. But fuck Scott. Everything else in the car screams I'm running away and I'm going to BTK Amber Fry. Rope, knives, hunting (laughs) like what the (laughs) fuck? The trial began June 1st of 2004 and was moved to Redwood City because there was no way he's going to get a fair trial in Modesto. Because of the media coverage, I doubt he was going to get a a fair trial anywhere in America. Scott hires a high-profile case lawyer, Mark Garagos, to defend him, and Amber also lawyered up and hired Gloria Allred to represent her. There was a gag order instated on the case so it wouldn't end up like a media circus like the OJ case did. There were multiple jury members dismissed throughout the case because the jury was not sequestered. The first juror, Francis Gorman, was released due to misconduct. One of the jury foremen, Gregory Jackson, requested to be released because just the other jury members didn't like him. They were able to watch... The coverage from the media, talk to friends, talk to family members about the case, and even just give interviews. His lawyer, Mark Garrigos concentrated their defense on the lack of evidence and downgraded the circumstantial evidence, but he didn't hide the fact that Scott was, in fact, a total lying, piece of shit, manipulating, disgusting, cheating person on Lacey, but he wasn't a murderer. There's no blood... There's no DNA, and multiple sightings of Lacey wearing black pants and a white shirt after Scott had left to go to work. So how could she have done it? Or how could he have done it? He also suggests that the fetal remains of the baby Connor was or were a full-term baby, and that someone had kidnapped Lacey until the baby was born and disposed of the bodies in the San Francisco Bay. So the evidence the prosecution had was the hair on the pliers, the cement rings from the other anchors that could have weighed the body down, the affair with Amber Fry and him telling that and him telling her that his wife was already dead. His severe lack of emotion throughout the search, buying porn channels, changing his appearance, buying a car in his mom's name and also selling Lacey's car and also trying to sell the house they lived in. The defense team Took action against the claim, stating that it would be impossible to uh, to dump a body in the bay because the boat would capsize. Remember, it was a little boat, little bitty guy. And they performed a test for the for the jury to watch on video. The judge said that it wasn't admissible because it wasn't scientifically accurate. There's no way to recreate the 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 waves that day. Of the murder to like whatever day they recorded it. Like they brought in like a hydrologist. Like somebody who studies fucking waves. And was like bro I can't tell you this is right. Like it doesn't make any sense. So the judge was like hey you can't use this because. You know you're not using the same boat for one. You're using your own fucking boat. And the, the, the weather was different so this isn't admissible also that it looked like the guy was trying to make the boat tip over too so they used the boat like what peterson had but it wasn't the exact boat so the judge allowed the defense to use the exact same boat like scott peterson's actual boat but the defense turned it down so they they gotta move on obviously they're not gonna go with that They start saying that people saw him and the boat at the marina and no one saw anything outside of the norm in his boat. But no one from the marina that day, Scott was fishing, testified in court. Not because they weren't admissible. The defense just did not get them to the stand. I don't know why and that's probably his biggest downfall in that case. A fertility specialist, Charles March, would later take the stand whom the defense thought would break the case open, stated that the baby had died a week later than the prosecution's claims. His theory was based on a June 9th home pregnancy test. After cross-examination, prosecutors told March that no medical records relied on this June 9th date and this home pregnancy test that Lacey had taken. March became nervous, flustered, and asked that the prosecution, quote, cut him some slack. Needless to say, March lost all credibility <laughs> from his statements that day, and the jury laughed at him. So here, here are theories. These are these are not my theories. I'll give you my theory, but these are theories. The Satanic cult theory. However, the search dogs led police to the middle of the street and witnesses say a brown van the same van that the woman had seen the the witness that saw said they saw a van that day. Yeah. She said that there was a van, you know, in the area and police tracked down this van of this Satanic cult and they searched it and there was no evidence of Lacey ever being in the van, never touched the van, anything like that. Yeah, there was some satanic cult in the area and some woman had died and you know, pretty close to the way. Lacey was murdered.
1: Nobody knows how she was even killed.
0: Yeah, no, there's... Like, she yeah, had, two, she had two broken legs. ribs, but, like, you're in water, bro. Like, that yeah. shit might happen in the water.
1: Yeah, I mean, imagine all the shit trying to eat her, too.
0: Yeah, so you got this badly decomposed body that's been just washing around. Yeah, you want to... Yeah, God. Can you? The Wet Bandits. <laughs> this theory, for lack of better words, is dumb, in my opinion. However, not... not possible. I find it hard to believe that burglars would, for one, take it among themselves to kidnap and murder an, obvious preg- an obviously pregnant woman, then dump the body into San Francisco Bay. Now, remember, eight cars of cops converged on the the Peterson house on the 24th. And the defense believed that the the robbery, the murder, the robbery happened the same, that same day. And an immediate media circus followed them. How could a burglary happen? Why wouldn't burglars even try to? Why would burglars even try? Yeah, good cover to hide and brawl daylight. You know, of the consistent media coverage, but that's just stupid. However, Scott's whereabouts have been blasted on TV nonstop after the investigation started. So if they in fact did do it, and they just had this body, now they know where to put the body to frame Scott Peterson and, you know, get away with the shit. We got the, the walk in the park theory. There were multiple sightings of Lacey walking her dog that day. So how could Scott have killed somebody, but also not be there at the same time? Now this is the theory that I favor. There could have been been a second person involved. Because of the fact that Scott says that they were watching Martha Stewart doesn't mean that she was alive. It just means that the TV was on. Because of the records that Lacey's computer was active and she was searching for stuff that she obviously liked doesn't mean she was using it. Scott could have been on a mission to establish an alibi and had put a hit out on his wife. It's not the first time, I'd imagine, and it's definitely not the last time somebody had their wife killed. And hitmen are smart. At least the good ones are.
1: So what you saying is she could already been dead in the house.
0: And then my man's they just... Well, no,
1: she, no. They, people saw her walking dog, right?
0: That's what they say. They say that she was walking her dog with fucking black pants on, but she was found with khaki pants on.
1: How many pregnant bitches was walking that day?
0: One other one. (laughs) There are two more theories I need to get through.
1: I wonder, I get it.
0: But what if he
1: he suggested that she walked the dog? And Hmm. what if she
0: would have said. What is she doing on her goddamn feet? (laughs) How about that? Right. Mr. Awkward. Scott was the last person to see Lacey the day Lacey went missing. Scott comes home. He washed his clothes. He ate pizza. He took a shower. He didn't call the police. He didn't show any signs that he was concerned about his missing wife. He didn't call the police. Did I say that? He was an immediate suspect. He lied about going fishing initially to his father-in-law. He lied about the affair. He tried to keep the affair going. He lied about no power being in his little workshop. He was just too cool, calm, and collected to investigators. Prosecutors believe Lacey was killed between the 23rd and 24th, although they cannot prove this. Her body was too decomposed to establish time of death. They defined it as a soft kill, probably a strangulation or a suffocation, breaking her ribs in the process. He then took the body to the warehouse, loaded her in the boat, and used the boat cover to conceal the body. Last theory is the blonde bombshell. The jury was captivated by the hours and hours of the recorded the The jury was captivated by the hours and hours of recorded phone calls that were played in the courtroom. The lies about being in Paris an individual, the lies about being in Europe in general, saying that he was already missing his wife, continuing the pursuit of her infection, oh, not affection, oh, saying that she was already missing and continued the pursuit of her affection, just super cringe. Mm-hmm. The verdict. Six men and six women were in charge of sealing Scott's fate after multiple jurors were dismissed Deliberation started over and over. People quit. People were removed. Some people were too emotional because they were just looking stuff up online. It's just a real shit show in that courtroom, even though they tried to not have it. November 12, 2004, the reading of the verdict was allowed on audio feed outside of the courtroom for the circus outside. The reaction from the crowd was heard throughout the courtroom. People are screaming. Cars, cars are honking. Is compared to the Roman Coliseum, Scott Peterson was found guilty of first-degree murder with special circumstances of Lacey Peterson and second-degree murder of Connor Peterson. Because of these two murders, Scott is now eligible for the death penalty. The penalty phase began on November 30th and ended December 13th and he was sentenced to death by lethal injection. March 16th, a judge ordered Peterson to pay $10,000 towards Lacey's funeral. October 25th, a life insurance policy Peterson had on Lacey was given to her mother. It was like a $250,000 life life insurance policy. Hey, I got that one. Peterson's auto appeal was filed on July 5th, 2012. So, like, if you get the death sentence, you get an auto appeal. Like, you don't have to actively try and get an appeal. It's just going to happen because... The state's going to kill you. So, his new home is at San Quentin State Prison. Since the sentencing, he has appealed for a new trial multiple times, which is, you know, ongoing now. He says his lawyers were terrible. And he blames them for not getting eyewitnesses that saw Lacey that morning to the stand. Because if anybody saw her after 10 a.m., that meant Scott is innocent. Beyond reasonable doubt thus not giving him a fair trial. The prosecutor could not prove how or when he had time to do this according to the established timeline of events. His family believes he was set up. Everyone knew his alibi from day one. So, could he have been framed?
1: No. Fuck, Scott.
0: So, November 2015, Peterson's defense filed a habeas corpus petition claiming that a juror had lied on the application... One of the dogs used in using the search had failed two-thirds of the tests to become a, cer- a certified cadaver dog, and his appeal had gone ignored overwhelming... His appeal had ignored overwhelming evidence of all of this, you know, collectively. In August of 2018, the defense filed a reply the 6th, filing there was you know there was a lot of these and this and last year august was the last time he had filed one the brief included six claims of deficient performance by mark garagos mark garagos charged him a million dollars and he still lost, and he still lost. Okay. such as failing to call experts in fetal growth the dog scent thing and how bodies of or how bodies move in water, making empty promises about uh, exonerating. Like he, Mark Gargo said at the beginning in his opening statements, he said that he was gonna prove without a shadow of a doubt that Scott Peterson was fucking innocent. Oh, and God. then he lost, and yeah. then Scott got the death penalty. The worst. <laughs> it's the worst. Like worst. bro, worst. All right, so. <laughs> Yeah, like, I would want to appeal to, like, bro, like, you did. A million dollars, A million. A milli. Five and a half months. That's all. He only worked five and a half months and got a million dollars. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, I would like to um, give this opportunity to uh, explain the law that was set... uh, the uh, Unborn Victims of Violence Act, or Lacey's Lacey and Connor's Law, that was established after this whole case, you know, went through. Uh, the Unborn and the Unborn Victims and Violence Act of 2004 states that an embryo or fetus in utero as a legal victim if they are injured or killed during the commission of any of over 60 listed federal crimes of violence. The law defines child in utero as a member of the species Homo sapiens at any stage of development who is carried in the womb. So, you kill a baby while it's a baby a fetus, a fetus that's murder. I it thought was that just, should have been something without saying. Yeah. Is what you're saying.
1: Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I thought it was a thing before it was a thing. So, Shame so if, on us.
0: Yeah. Ah. It's terrible. Okay. That's that's the first we're case of our holiday um uh, crom spree. Uh that right. we're we're covering. If you like the show, please don't hold out on us. Be like, sure to check subscribe. out our Instagram. We're on Instagram at Blood and Firewater Podcast. Uh follow us on Twitter at BFW Pod Squad. Um Facebook, yeah. If, no, if you want to like, do that follow, it's, all of it's basically the same thing that gets put on Instagram and I'm on Instagram more than the other two so be sure to like or or, or if you want to just send us a message go to or send us a message at um, bloodandfirewater at gmail dot com yeah that's it check Day out alert. our nope check out our uh, Patreon page uh, the link is in our Instagram bio. If you want to donate to the show, buy us a shot. <laughs> Give us a shot. You know? Help us out. That's
1: what we should drink.
0: One dollar. We we also have a, a God Mode tier where you pick the case. You run the show. So, thanks for listening. And we hope to catch you on the next episode.
1: Stay alert. Stay alive.
0: Um, Hello? Hello? Excuse me. Yeah, you. You, the one wearing the frown. There's no time for that right now. I need you to hop on that unicorn, sprinkle yourself with protective fairy dust, and let's get going! All rainbow warriors, front and center! We have true crime to cover people. Come on! I'm CJ. Please join me for my new podcast, Beyond the Rainbow, True Crimes of the LGBT Community. There's a closet full of stories just waiting to escape and be told. You can catch the show on almost all podcast apps. Remember, it's not a crime to be gay, unless you're a murderer.